Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today I'm going to talk about a fascinating story that uh, has come to my attention. It's something that happened in 1896, uh, an alleged encounter uh, between human beings and extraterrestrials, and it looks like it may have been a botched abduction, actually. Uh, now this article, there was an article about this that uh, showed up on unknownboundaries.com. It's a, uh, a website that uh, dedicated to uh, the ufo topic and uh, uh the writer chet dembeck he's an award-winning print journalist who has covered technology government and the pentagon for various news organizations in the baltimore washington corridor for more than a decade so it was actually uh his article that brought my attention to this uh, he actually said he was viewing going through uh historic newspapers from the late 19th century and he came across this what he thinks is a credible description of what could only be called a failed alien abduction. So this is what I want to talk about today. I actually uh, dug up the article from uh, myself at, uh, on, from newspapers.com. It's a great resource for old newspapers. Uh, if you want to find stuff, newspapers.com is the way to find it. So, yeah, so I'll actually going to be using that actual article uh, from, newspaper, from the uh Stockton Daily Mail from 1896, and I'll be reading right directly from that article for this podcast. Uh, but I just want to, before I get started with this, I just wanted to say that uh, you know, uh, you know, it seems like this phenomenon with regards to uh, alien encounters, encounters with between people and extraterrestrials, it, it seems like it's more contemporary. Uh, it seems like it's not something you hear, you really hear about uh, from like the 1700s or the 1600s. You don't hear stories of little gray beings abducting people from that, from that era. It seems like that stuff didn't really start up until the 1900s. Uh, you know, so, uh, and, and, and there were sightings uh, started cropping up basically in the in the 1800s there was a lot of airship sightings and actually that's when this the story that we're going to get into took place was in uh, 1896 the great airship mystery of 1896 and 1897 and of course keep in mind uh, that this story came out long before uh, at least a year before uh, war of the worlds uh, a year before the war of the worlds was uh, published by hg uh, wells so uh, People, you know, were wondering, actually back then, wondering if some of these things might have been coming from space, from someplace else. And this article uh, is very uh, detailed and very interesting, and we're going to go through this article. But before we do, I just want to point out something that I saw on Twitter recently with uh, regard to an, a debunker, Michael Shermer. Of course, I've talked about this guy before. Uh, he's somebody who really does no research whatsoever. He's, he issues proclamations about different events that have happened. Uh, including the Roswell event uh, from 1947. And uh, recently he commented on some somebody, uh, Vicky Verma, a person who publishes uh, articles about UFOs and Roswell, and he had something on Twitter recently uh, on August 24th basically talking about how uh, Walter Hout, the, uh, the press the person who was actually working with the air with the army air force back in 1947 who was ordered to write the press release that the uh government had uh, finally captured a flying saucer had recovered a flying disc and uh, he also went on to st st uh, state later in his life uh, and actually in a affidavit that he actually saw not only did he see remnants from the craft himself he also saw uh alien bodies 
But anyway, Michael Shermer had to chime in on this, and he and he wrote on Twitter: When objects from space enter Earth's atmosphere, they burn up completely, or at most, leave chunks or micro microspherules of debris. When planes crash, bodies are splattered into pieces of meat. But aliens crashing here are almost entirely intact, but beat up a little. No. Well, again, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just making proclamations. He wasn't at any of these sites. He wasn't at Roswell. He just makes statements. Uh, he, he sides with the government on these things. Uh, for instance, uh, the, the Air Force has no evidence really to back up its claims that it was a, a secret balloon. Right? That, that doesn't jibe with, with what the witnesses say. No witnesses uh, who have talked about Roswell have said that they said anything uh, uh, that it was a balloon. None of them have ever said anything like that. And in addition to that, the Air Force conveniently misplaced or lost or whatever hidden away the files from uh, the uh, Roswell Army Airfield from, from 1946 to 1940 through 1949. Very convenient, very convenient. So there's no records, no communications or nothing. Nothing. There's nothing left. They, they hid it all because they knew there, if, if, they, if they were to release those things to the public, there would be something in there that uh, researchers would be able to point to and say, see, there was a cover-up. So that's why things like that are hidden away. But Michael Shermer, with absolutely zero proof, uh, makes idiotic statements on a regular basis with regard to uh, the Roswell UFO cover-up, among other things. He just doesn't accept the reality that there's an extraterrestrial presence here. But of course, as I've, I've related before, uh, many times before, uh, I know for a fact that there is because I've seen one of these beings and I've seen one of these craft on different occasions. So I know for a fact. Michael Shermer is a loser in this situation. He's not. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't believe a word this guy says. Don't believe him. He's a dope. He's a dummy. But anyway, I responded to this uh, this tweet as I said, only total dum dums told the Air Force line about the Roswell crash and cover up at this point. It's clear Shermer never did any real research into this, yet he has the audacity to keep spouting uneducated, disingenuous blather about it like he knows what he's talking about. Dopes like Shermer do not know what they're talking about when it comes to this subject. The guy's an idiot. Don't listen to him. Anyway, I know it has nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about, but I wanted to get that out of my, out of the way. Being that I have my own podcast here, I want to be able to make certain statements every now and then uh, and, and direct them at some of these idiotic debunkers. And today I felt like it was necessary to... Uh, uh, do it here. I didn't want to get into a, a whole a whole big discussion on Roswell again. I just wanted to uh, uh, point out that Michael Shermer is an absolute complete moron. Don't listen to anything he says when it comes to the Roswell situation, the Roswell crash and cover-up, or anything else with relation to UFOs or aliens. This guy does not know what he's talking about. He's an armchair idiot. That's all he is, an armchair idiot. Not even a, I don't even know. Call, don't call him a debunker. Call him an idiot because that's what he is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. 
What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Anyway, uh, getting on to the main topic for today. On the front page from the November 27th, 1896 Stockton Evening Mail, there was a headline, Three Strange Visitors uh, Who Possibly Came from the Planet Mars. That's what the headline read. Uh, amazing, isn't it? But anyway, we're going to get into this article and talk about uh, what it says, and we'll I'll, ta- I'll take breaks as we go through it to, uh, com- to offer commentary. But anyway, it says here, three strange visitors who possibly came from the planet Mars, seen on a country road by Colonel H.G. Shaw and a companion. They boarded the airship. This is an amazing story, and it's hard to imagine that this was made up. I, I just don't see... Uh, I think it's very possible that this is something that really happened. For as strange as this account will seem to you, this is something that seems like it was real, that it could have really happened. Anyway, here it says, For more than a week, the papers all over the coast have been reporting the presence of an alleged airship or flying machine, which many reputable people claim to have seen on several occasions in the heavens at night. Whether or not there really is such a contrivance navigating the air, the mail is unable to satisfactorily determine, but some of the papers have taken the matter seriously and others have been disposed to make light of the statements. A couple of San Francisco attorneys have secured a lot of free advertising by claiming to have clients who have invented and tested successful flying ships, and the newspapers have filled several columns talking about the aerial mystery. The mail makes the above statement merely by way of preface to a most remarkable story which is related by Colonel H.G. Shaw of this city, formerly of the mail editorial staff. Colonel Shaw is at present engaged in collecting an exhibit for the Stockton Commercial Association to be displayed at the Citrus Fair, which will be held in Fresno during the coming month. The gentleman was very reticent about relating the circumstance, as he said he had no idea what that it would be believed by anyone, and he was loath to appear before the public as a romancer or as a man who had looked upon shoestring when it was read. He tells the story as follows. Three strange beings. Were it not for the fact that I was, this is now this is directly, this is this uh, uh, this attorney's actual. He's he's give, relating this story first person singular. So it's actually Colonel Shaw who's making this statement. It says three strange beings. Were it not for the fact that I was not alone when I witnessed the strange sight, I would never have mentioned it at all. Wednesday afternoon, I went out to Lodi and Lockerford in company with Camille Spooner, a young man recently arrived from Nevada. I went to the place mentioned in quest of material to form an exhibit to represent this county at the Fresno Citrus Fair. We left Lodi on the return trip. I should I should judge shortly before six o'clock and we were jogging along quietly when the horse stopped suddenly and gave a snort, snort of terror. Looking up, we beheld three strange beings. They resembled humans in many respects, but still they were not like anything I had ever seen. They were near, nearly or quite or quite seven feet high and very slender. We were both somewhat startled, as you may readily imagine, and the first impulse was to drive on. The horse, however, refused to budge, and when we saw that we were being regarded more with an air of curiosity than anything else, we concluded to get out and investigate. I just want to stop there for a second. You know, it's interesting. Back then, people were riding around in horse-drawn carriages and things like that. 
and uh, so it, it's interesting because, of course, now we, there's been so many stories over the years of people's cars just failing. In this case, uh, the horse failed to move. Uh, it's very familiar in, in that sense. Anyway, continuing, uh, it says here, um, I walked up to where the strange-looking persons were and addressed them. I asked where they were from. They seemed not to understand me, but began... Well, warbling expresses it better, better than talking. Their remarks, if, if such you would call them, were addressed to each other and sounded like a monotonous chant, inclined to be guttural. Like, let me just stop there for a second. I've heard instances before. You know, he's saying they sounded guttural. I've heard instances before where people coming upon uh, alien beings and it sounds like they're making, uh, their the, the, the talking sounds guttural. It, that makes no sense. I've heard this before. So that, that's an, an, another interesting aspect uh, to this article. Anyway, it says, I saw it was no use to attempt a conversation, so I satisfied myself with watching and examining them. They seemed to take great interest in ourselves, the horse and buggy, and scrutinized everything very carefully. And then the next uh, subhead here, it says, weighed less than an ounce each. While they, while they were thus engaged, I was enabled to inspect them as well. As I have already stated, they were seven feet in height and very slender. I noticed further that their hands were quite small and delicate and that their fingers were without nails. Their feet, however, were nearly twice as long as those of an ordinary man, though they were narrow, and the toes were also long and slender. I noticed... Two, that they were able to use their feet and toes much the same as a monkey. In fact, they appeared to have much better use of their feet than their hands. Now, I've never, <laughs> I've never heard a description of alien beings like this. So, but, but again, this could be what this could be is that it, it, it could we could have thousands, millions of different kinds of creatures coming here and just checking us out and then taking off. And maybe this is what this is here. This could have been just a simple case of that. I believe that that's very possible, especially considering the size of this uh, galaxy and universe. Uh, anyway, continuing. I presently discovered that this was probably a provision of nature. As one of them came close to me, I reached out to touch him and, placing my hand under his elbow, pressed gently upward, and lo and behold, I lifted him from the ground with scarcely an effort. I should judge that the specific gravity of the creature was less than an ounce. It was then that I observed him try to grasp the earth with his toes to prevent my lifting him. You can readily understand that their slight weight made such a provision necessary or they might be blown away. They were without any sort of clothing, but they were covered with a natural growth hard to describe. It was not hair, neither was it like feathers, but it was as soft as silk to the touch and their skin was like velvet. Their faces and heads were without hair, the ears were very small, and the nose had the appearance of polished ivory, while the eyes were large and lustrous. The mouth, however, was small, and it seemed to me that they were without teeth. That and other things led me to believe that they neither ate nor drank, and that life was sustained by some sort of gas. <clears throat> now, of course, this guy's just uh, taking wild guesses. <laughs> we have no idea what these things ate or drank or or even if he's telling the truth we got to keep that in mind could have could have had could it have been a story i guess it's all it's up to you out there to to believe these this person or not anyway continuing each of them had swung under the left arm a bag to which was attached a nozzle and every little while one or the other would place 
the nozzle in his mouth, at which time I heard a sound as of escaping gas. It was much the same sound as it as is produced by a person person blowing up a football. Well, what it sounds like here, maybe they weren't taking nutrition in with these bags. Maybe they were using it as some sort of breathing device. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, the next subhead here says, of un of indescribable beauty from the description i give i do not want you to get the idea that these creatures were hideous in appearance they were markedly the contrary they were possessed of a strange and indescribable beauty i can express myself in no other way they were graceful to a degree and more divinely beautiful than anything i ever beheld the strangest part of this story is yet to come it is the lights they carried each held in his hand something about the size of a hen's egg upon holding them up and partly opening the hand these substances emitted the most remarkable intense and penetrating light one can imagine notwithstanding its intensity it had no unpleasant effect upon our eyes and we found we could gaze directly at it it seemed to me to be some sort of luminous material though they had complete control of it finally they became tired of examining us and our horse and buggy, and then one of them, at a signal from one who appeared to be the leader, attempted to lift me, probably with the intention of carrying me away. Although I made not the slightest resistance, he could not move me, and finally, the three of them tried, tried it without the slightest success. They appeared to have no muscular power outside of being able to move their own limbs. Strange airship. That's the next subhead. <clears throat> Well, after trying in vain to move either of us, they turned in the direction of the Woodbridge Canal near which we were, and as they flashed their lights toward the bridge, we held a startling sight. There, resting in the air about 20 feet above the water, was an immense airship. It was 150 feet in length at least, though probably not over 20 feet in diameter at the widest part. It was pointed at both ends, and outside of a large rudder, there was no visible machinery. The three walked rapidly toward the ship, not as you or I walk, but with a swaying motion, their feet only touching the ground at intervals of about 15 feet. We followed them as rapidly as possible and reached the bridge as they were about to embark. With a little spring, they rose to the machine, opened a door in the side, and disappeared within. I do not know of what the affair was built, but just before it started, I struck it with a rock and it gave no sound. Let me just stop there. Now, that's very interesting. So he throw the, throws a rock at it and it makes no sound. Again, this sounds very similar to how these things later on would be described. I mean... They have the there's something strange about these 
contraptions that these beings are using. Uh, you've heard, I've heard stories like this before. Anyway, continuing. It went through the air very rapidly and expanded and contracted with a muscular motion and was soon out of sight. I have a theory, which of course is only a theory, that those we beheld were inhabitants of Mars, who have been sent to Earth for the purpose of securing one of its inhabitants. I feel safe in asserting that the stories being told by certain San Francisco attorneys are clumsy fakes and should not be given credence by anyone. So, uh, that's a very interesting story. Now, do we believe it? Uh, I don't know. Is it real? Was, was this person making it up? Was this Colonel making it up? Colonel Shaw? I don't know. We just don't know. But he had he they published it in the paper. Uh, there were a lot of stories like this. There were a lot of airship stories, but not quite many stories with um, people. There were some stories with people. Uh, other stories from that time with people ap apparently coming upon the occupants of these alleged airships, but uh, uh, not many that were as detailed <laughs> detailed as this one. This one's pretty wild. Is it true? I don't know. Could be, because uh, I know that there are things out there, because I've encountered them myself, as, as well as, as so many other people have. So uh, I, I, you can't discount anything, really. Um, I mean, you look at 1897, the Aurora, Texas incident that happened uh, uh, during the summer of 1890, or excuse me, I think it was April of 1897, the Aurora... Texas incident where something crashed and there was a being there that they say was it was that was actually reported in two different newspapers at the time there was something in that craft uh, a being that uh, witnesses said was not of this world and uh, they buried it in the local cemetery uh, unfortunately uh, permission was never granted to UFO researchers uh, to uh, exhume that body that was uh, buried in this in that cemetery unfortunately uh, it would have been nice if we could have uh, back in 1973 of course there was a concerted effort uh, by different uh, researchers to get permission to get that body dug up but the cemetery association at that time from aurora texas would not allow it and unfortunately it's a shame that they didn't allow it because somebody snuck into the cemetery at some point and uh uh, there was actually, in addition to the body, there was actually uh, allegedly parts of the craft that were buried there. In fact, uh, one of the researchers back at that time did uh, used a metal detector over the over the plot of uh, where this uh, creature was buried, and uh, it showed that there was metal buried there. Uh, they wanted to exhume that that grave to find out, you know, to, to examine the metal pieces. And of course the remains, if they, if anything was, was left of the creature that was buried there, but somebody apparently snuck in there at some point, uh, and used some sort of, uh, dug holes in the ground, uh, circular holes and, and, and vacuumed all that material out. Uh, we don't know if there's anything left in there right now. Uh, maybe there's some, who knows? Maybe there's some bones left of the being. Possibly. We just don't know. Maybe there's nothing. Uh, and that's unfortunate that that wasn't handled correctly back in 1973. Actually, I just want to make clear here. 1973, that's when uh, the Aurora, Texas came to light. Uh, there was some other incidents ongoing. Uh, other UFO reports were happening at that time. And uh, one of uh, a, a, a local researcher had discovered, uh, never heard of this story, and then when he started hearing these these old stories of of uh, this of alleged crash from 1897, and so that you know that caused a lot of other researchers to start looking into this 1897 crash because it turned out that there were two newspaper articles 
uh, about it, uh, saying that yes, something crashed into a into a windmill uh, on, on a judge's property and blew up, exploded or whatever, and that there was the re- there was a the remains of some creature was there that was not of this earth, and they gave it a Christian burial in the local cemetery, and so. Uh, it's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Uh, we, 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 we may have ha- had that story been handled correctly uh, from the outs- at the outset. Maybe this, all this cover-up would have never happened. We would have known in 1897 that we are not alone. Uh, but unfortunately, as things are, as things stand, uh, you know, we had World War One and then World War Two, and then the Cold War was just starting to heat up. And then the Roswell incident happened, and uh, it went underground. The decision was made, we got to keep this covered up. We need to reverse engineer this stuff because we need to be prepared. We need to have weaponry that would uh, surpass anything that our enemies has, and that's that's been the case all these decades since. So, But had, had things been handled differently, I believe, in 1897, if, in fact, the incident in Aurora was real, which I think it probably was, uh, I guess we're never going to really know the truth for sure, but I think something did crash there, and I think it was most likely extraterrestrial, and had that incident been... It actually was reported as fact in local newspapers. Uh, unfortunately, um, we're still not... We still can't... Uh, um, we still, we, we're still living in this nightmare of a cover-up, and uh, that cover-up might not, not might not have ever happened uh, had the truth been exposed at that time. I think I, I've actually talked about this before. I think it's unfortunate uh, that scientists of the day were not alerted to what was going on in Aurora. You have to remember, things were a lot different back then. There was no internet. I mean, there was only two little newspaper articles. Uh, The right people obviously didn't see those articles because if they had, uh, they may have felt that uh, a trip to Aurora was uh, necessary. Uh, And then we could have had this whole thing settled back then in 1897. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. And so here we are today. Um, It's all still covered up. It's all still covered up. Okay, uh, one more thing I want to go through. I just want to talk about some of my uh, recent uh, um, I, my recent Spotify polls. Okay, and uh, so for uh, I want to go back to uh, the episode NASA thinks we're idiots slash UFO caucus presses Inspector General to reveal details that Grush couldn't, and I asked this question. When NASA officials claim they know nothing of the extraterrestrial presence on Earth, are they lying? And so far, I have 97 votes on this one, folks, and uh, only 9 people, or 9.3%, say no, while 88 people, or 90.7%, say yes. And I do want to point out, I have received a message from somebody who said that uh, he had accidentally pressed the no uh, he says here, uh, this is from I'm Just Here for the UFOs. He says, or she, I don't know who it will. Uh, it says, I voted no because I thought you were asking if they were telling the truth. Oops. So it's actually, it should only be eight. Eight people voted no. I don't know who the people who would vote no. I don't know who those jokers are, but hey, you know, what could I say? What, what could I do? I can't, you know, 
Maybe it was Mick West and maybe some of his sock puppets. I, I really don't know. And then for the episode, the most recent episode, the war to end UFO secrecy continues to rage in Washington. I asked this question. Does Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick need to be replaced as director of Arrow? So far, I have 50 votes. Only seven people or 14% say no, while 43 people or 86% say yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I believe he needs to be replaced. I think we need a fresh start in Arrow. We need somebody in there who, uh, you know, is more, you know, wants to get the truth. We need people, we need ex real UFO research in, in there, not bureaucrats, right? Not people connected to the Pentagon. We, we need real people in there. Real, real people that are interested in the uh, in this subject. People who have been studying it for years. That, that's that's just my complaint. Um, yeah, yeah. Like here, Fred, Fred, and uh, in, in Spotify made a comment or say, say, saying Kirkpatrick is an unabashed anti-disclosure Pentagon hacked. His peers are Stephen Greenstreet, Greenwald Jr., and Susan Go. Kirkpatrick serves the military industrial complex to be sure. Yes, I agree with that, Fred. I agree with that sentiment as a lot of people know i would agree with something like that because it's true we need different kind of we need some we need new blood in there this guy's not been he's, he's been a disappointment uh he made ridiculous statements about david grush after that hearing he got all bent out of shape over over nothing uh you know we're sick of this cover-up a lot of us know what's that there's a cover-up we're just sick of it we're sick of the lies we're sick of the stupidity we're sick of listening to the bunkers. We want all that stuff to go away. We we want to know what what the government knows. Uh, we we again. I have talked about this before too. We don't need to know what they've learned so far in their reverse engineering efforts, right? We just want to know what you know about these extraterrestrials. Who cares if it's bad? Who cares if they're here to uh, eat us or whatever? Who cares? We want to know. We deserve to know. The human race deserves to know what's going on, and a lot of us are tired of it. It's going on too long already. Anyway, I just want to say thank you again for joining me. Until next time.